0: How's it going, people? I am a tan, arrested, and a ready to roll Dave Rubin. Not arrested, arrested Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report direct message for today, 2 22, 2021. 20, there's some sort of symmetry in that. I am just back from the free state of Florida and I'm feeling good. I am back in the authoritarian hellhole known as California, but there are some signs that that could be changing. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, and before I do anything else, guys, quick, uh, click that subscribe button over there on the YouTube. There's a little notification bell. Make sure you're seeing these videos. As you know, we are live every day at 11 a.m. Pacific. That is 2 p.m. Eastern, and we're now doing that Friday panel show every Friday, we're adding in some Q and A's and a whole bunch of other stuff. And uh, yeah, as a rested guy, I am uh, very excited to be back. I I had a great 10 days. It was sort of a, it was a half working vacation. We actually did put up a whole bunch of videos uh, because I know you guys can't go through the day without at least hearing me say one thing, right? At least without watching one video of me doing something. So we had our interview Uh, with Heather McDonald from the Manhattan Institute was up last week, and we did a bunch of President's Day videos uh, that we had shot before, and we put those up, and we did our Friday panel all on critical race theory and all that good stuff. That's all stuff that happened last week. While it was happening, I was on the beach. I was relaxing. If you guys are in the Ruben Report community, you saw pictures of me with pelicans and with alligators and with lizards and other assorted things. I wanted to tell you guys uh, two stories uh, of things that happened in Florida, because as I said, it was partly a working vacation. So I'll tell you the the more serious one first, and then I'll tell you the funny one. Um, so one night I was on the Southwest coast of Florida in an undisclosed location. And uh, one night we got a call that um, there were a bunch of investors who wanted to meet us in Miami. Now, investors for locals, obviously, and if you haven't been Playing along, San Francisco, which once was the the home of Silicon Valley and was the hub of the the tech world, really, and that's where all the innovation came from and everything else. Um, it's basically crumbling. They've turned it into a progressive hellhole. Crime is through the roof. Homelessness, drug use, the rest of it. The last time I was in San Francisco, I mean, it was it was actually disgusting. I, I saw more than one person just literally shooting up on the street. It was it was not pretty. That I was actually there like three or four days before the lockdowns began, right when the economy like tanked right at the beginning of COVID. I know, even though that's less than a year ago, it feels like a lifetime ago. So we actually did our first run of fundraising, like literally as the economy was tanking and it it all ended up working out for us um, and good things are happening. But in any event, San Francisco is crumbling and Miami and Florida as a state, but Miami as a city particularly, is just absolutely exploding. They, They are moving there in droves and as many people... Pretty much everyone that I talked to that was a native Floridian said to me, they're like, you know, it's great that you guys are coming here and we're very happy that you like our freedom and our open restaurants and all that good stuff, uh, but don't bring any of that lefty nonsense here. And man, I, I, don't, I don't live there yet, but I would say, yeah, Florida should consider building a wall or something because it's like you want good people to come, right? And I think the mayor of Miami is doing a really uh, good job of this, like welcoming people Saying, hey, we want new industries. We want to be a tech hub. Miami's a truly international city. It's like let San Francisco crumble with their leftist policies and like let great things happen in Miami. But you could really feel it. I mean, I, I'm really not exaggerating when I say this. Almost everybody that I talked to, where they would say, you know, where are you from? What's going on? It was like, oh man. Well, first off, they would always, oh, you live in LA? Are you okay? You know, it's it's like I survived a war. Are you all right? Oh, you are you all right? Like, like there was some sort of like nuclear bomb that went off here. Um, they can't believe that people still live. Why do you live there? What are you doing? The taxes, the government, the whole thing. Um, so if you live in Florida, I would, I would be very welcoming of the new people, but this is a real moment for those of us that are liberty-minded, conservative, whatever you wanna call it at this point, to really stand up for our values. People are flowing out of those terrible leftist cities San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, LA, et cetera, they're going to the good places, right? But that means you gotta respect some of the stuff and, and acknowledge that some of the red states and these more red cities uh, have done some things right and not try to change everything there. So I think some some Floridians are worried about that, but hopefully the people that move will realize that anyway. So we drove across the state. We drove across Alligator Alley. That's what they call it. If you drive right across the Southern part of Florida, it's Alligator Alley, because there's alligators everywhere. I think there's basically all they have is like Florida State Penitentiaries. There's not much there. There's also a Panther like pavilion or a Panther nursery, whatever you wanna call it. So there's a lot of warnings for Panthers. So you're driving something, You're driving down something called Alligator Alley, watching out for alligators. And then you see all these signs for, watch out for the Panthers. Anyway, we survived that, we get to Miami, we have this dinner with a bunch of investors. Um, it went extremely well, and the reason I'm mentioning all of this is because during the meeting, this is a this is a public thank you to anyone that took part in this. Uh, during the meeting, we you know we're telling them about locals, our numbers are great, the, the growth is great, all all this good stuff. But you know we're trying to raise funds, like that that's what it is. These are not funds that pay me; these are funds to grow the company. We're doing this, and I said, you know what? Instead of me just selling selling you guys on this, why don't I post? in my locals community right now. Why don't I post about what is going on here, why people are joining us, how we're doing social media different, how we're cleaning it up, why it's better, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I'm gonna post it. I'm not even gonna look at it. I'm just gonna hand my phone around the table. Well, that's exactly what I did. I posted it. And then everyone that's part of my locals community, they get a push notification. And within about 10 minutes, we had over 300 people explaining why the Ruben Report community and locals is great and how there's no bots and trolls and you can share opinions and it's pleasant and all this good stuff. And we just handed it around the table. And uh, long story short, we, we've got some new investors and I'm, I'm super excited. And for any of you that took part in that, I just wanna give you a, a thank you and uh, how cool, and I, you know, I said, by the way, I said, I was like, be be as brutally honest as you wanna be, and it's hard, you know, when's the last time you just handed your phone to a bunch of strangers? I mean, I just handed my phone to these people, and I let them all look at it, and people started reading them at the table. It was it was pretty great, so I was psyched about that. Anyway, spent most of the time on the other coast of Florida, and I want to tell you one funny story, because, um, you know, we were we were eating food at restaurants and things, and we'd have drinks also at these restaurants. It's really wild what you can do in a free state. And uh, one night we were there with, uh, with my sister and my brother-in-law and the kids, and we're, we're having dinner. And, you know, even in Florida, by the way, the waiters and the waitresses and the bartenders and things, they have to wear masks. You as a patron don't, they kind of, you know, if, if you're sitting, you don't have to wear a mask. They kind of want you to if you're if you're like walking between tables or going to the bathroom. But everyone does what they think is right. And you guys know my feelings on that. That's sort of the way we have to go ahead with this. That's just my personal belief and you can have your own personal belief. Anyway, something fairly hilarious happened, which is, you know, we're, we're sitting in this restaurant and my sister's got two young kids and they're, they're just great and we're having a ball. And this elderly couple, Florida, it's a lot of old people. And despite all the old people, by the way, the second oldest uh, populace in the United States, their, their uh, mortality numbers are way down, even though they kept everything open, although mainstream media doesn't seem to wanna to talk about that. Anyway, there's a lot of old people in Florida, there's a lot of old people having dinner. This very elderly couple, I would say these two were probably between 85 and 90, they come up to the table and they're telling, oh, the kids are so great, that's so great, you're on vacation, where are you from, blah, blah, blah. And the woman points to my nephew and she's standing right behind me. She starts pointing to my nephew and says, oh, you're so cute. And as she's saying it, I turn around and she stuck her finger like right in my mouth. And like, it was an old woman, she couldn't move very quick and I was kind of, and she like literally like, oh, and like, oh. And all over saliva dripping all over her finger. You know, there wasn't much taste to it. She was very old. There wasn't like a lot of juice or anything on the finger. Anyway, I just thought it was hilarious that I end up not only do I go to a restaurant in Florida, I had the uh, Parmesan crusted sea bass, quite delicious by the way, although I ate mostly grouper throughout the week. But not only did I go to a restaurant, I survived. But then an elderly woman actually stuck her finger in my mouth, and, and guess what? Everybody's okay. As far as I know, she's okay. I didn't trade numbers with her, but I think she's okay. And, and I'm okay, and life goes on. So good things happening in Florida, less good things happening here. Although, because we didn't do a show last week, you may not have heard that uh, California has got the 1.5 million signatures to recall our horrifically awful, Governor Gavin Newsom, uh, you still have, we still have till May, uh, sorry, till March 16th to get more. And the thing is, you really wanna go way over the 1.5 because you know they're gonna do everything they can to make sure that the signatures don't count or whatever. So my hope is we get it to like 1.8, 1.9. But I think recalling this buffoon who then can run again, and hopefully there'll be a great set of people that will run against him, hint, hint, Rick Grinnell, if you're watching this thing, I'll campaign for you. And we're gonna do a whole show, by the way on the, uh, the California recall, we're gonna do a panel in a couple days. Um, but if we get rid of this guy, it might start the domino effect. That's what everybody's waiting for, right? It has become so obvious that certain states in the union, in this great union, this great country, certain states do it right, do it basically right. Maybe there's no truly right, but basically right. And certain states really do it wrong. And and the states that are run by these buffoons like Andrew Cuomo and Gavin Newsom, they're doing it really, really wrong. And by the way, now it looks like the feds might be looking into some of the things that Andrew Cuomo did um, as far as putting people back in nursing homes and the rest of it. So anyway, anyway, I think truly that if we can, if we can recall this guy that, and then, and then not only recall him, you gotta recall him, which we're gonna do, but then maybe get a new governor that maybe we can start the domino effect of getting rid of all of these authoritarian lunatics. I think it's possible. I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. All right, guys, before we get to the stories, I wanna talk to you about Ancestry.com. You know, there are many paths to finding your family story and whichever way you choose, tracing your family generations back with a family tree or uncovering your ethnicity with Ancestry DNA, it's easy to get started with Ancestry. You could find a famous relative or perhaps a photo of your great grandma as a little girl. Whatever you find, it's sure to change the whole way you look at your family history and yourself. After all, the story of your family is the story of you. With the ongoing pandemic, it's easy to feel disconnected from your loved ones. I've been talking about that a lot, but researching your history is a fun activity the whole family can enjoy. And the stories you learn about your shared past can bring you closer together. We've done a massive family tree in my family, and it's pretty awesome. I think I've mentioned this, we've, we've tracked my mom's family back even into the 1700s, late 1700s at this point, pretty amazing stuff. Uh, Ancestry DNA can reveal ethnic origins and provide historical details that bring unique family stories to life. Ancestry DNA doesn't just tell you which countries you're from, but can also pinpoint specific regions within them, giving you insightful geographic detail about your history. Trace the paths of your recent ancestors and learn how and why your family moved from place to place around the world. No other DNA test delivers such a unique interactive experience. Grab an Ancestry DNA kit and start a free trial to amplify your discoveries with Ancestry's billions of records. Start exploring your family story today. Head to my URL at Ancestry.com slash Ruben to get your Ancestry DNA kit and start your free trial. That's Ancestry.com slash Ruben. And now back to me. All right, let's talk about CNN a little bit and, uh, and Dr. Fauci or the infallible Fauci, as I call him. So I tried not to pay that much attention to the news while I was, I wasn't, I wasn't off the grid, but I was trying to like, you know, actually be on the beach. Actually, I got, you know, you get that weekly reminder on your phone of like how much phone time you've been doing and my phone was down 72% last week. Like that, that's how you know you're having a good week. Uh, Well, the infallible Fauci was on CNN with Dana Bash. And uh, if you thought we were returning to normalcy in 2021, if you thought 2020 was the bad year, remember, that's what everyone was saying a month ago. Oh, 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 2020 is behind us. Everything's gonna be fine in 2021. Well, Fauci, he's pushing this thing into 2022. Let's take a look.
1: You and the president have suggested that we'll approach normality toward the end of the year. What does normal mean? Do you think Americans will still be wearing masks, for example, in 2022? You know, I think it is possible that that's the case. And again, it really depends on what you mean by normality. If right. Normality that's what I want you to define Exactly it. the way it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, Dana, it's important because if normality means exactly the way things were before we had this happen to us, I, I mean, I can't predict that. I mean, obviously, I think we're going to have a significant degree of normality beyond what the, the terrible burden that all of us have been through over the last year, that as we get into the fall and the winter. By the end of the year, I agree with the president completely that we will be approaching a degree of normality. It may or may not be precisely the way it was in November of twenty nineteen, but it'll be much, much better than what we're doing right now.
0: Oh, infallible Fauci, as we get into the fall and winter, as he calls it with his Brooklyn accent, the winter, um, we may have a degree of normality. It's funny because I remember, and I, I have a very good memory about these things. I know a lot of people forget things. That's partly what social media does to us. They want us to forget yesterday and forget the week before and certainly forget the month before and before that. Uh, but I remember a little less than a year ago. It's, it's basically almost a year now uh, when you guys were telling us two weeks to flatten the curve and we did absolutely everything you told us to do. We've been through this before. We were all wearing gloves at the supermarket and washing paper bags when we got home. We all did all that and now a possible return to normality in the fall. Now I wanna be clear again, if you want to wear a mask, you should wear a mask. And by the way, when I was in Florida, although I was mostly on the beach where people weren't wearing masks, there were some people wearing masks and it was their right to do so. And you could maybe judge someone for wearing a mask on a beach or someone can wear a mask on the beach. It's up to you to do it. But at some point, Uh, a return to normality. I mean, well, he, first off, he he basically says, well, it would depend what you mean by normality. I mean, I think normality is long gone. If you think normal was the world that we had before this lunacy of the last 11, 12 months, well, I think that world is gone. So I I don't think there will be a return to normality. The system, whatever you wanna call it, has, has shown us how, how it will do things to impair our levels of freedom and how it will make sure we can't go to work and we have to wear crazy things. And when I was on the flight back, I kid you not, when I was on the flight back, American Airlines last night from Florida, the guy twice, the, the lead flight attendant, twice announced uh, that we should eat in a timely fashion. And that means you can't eat peanuts one at a time. So they literally want to regulate how fast you eat your peanuts. Now I thought you couldn't even bring peanuts onto a plane. So I thought that was a whole other thing. So I don't know if he was half kidding about that. They didn't give us peanuts, but I assume someone might've brought peanuts on and would casually be eating one peanut at a time. But it's like, are you gonna list out how and when we can eat certain things? And actually the answer to that is yes, because let's not forget that ridiculous buffoon in New York, Andrew Cuomo, who killed all those old people by sending them back into uh, into the old age homes uh, he also announced at one point that wings, chicken wings don't count as a meal uh, because he didn't want people eating chicken wings at bars. These people have just run roughshod over everything that is sane or would be considered normal as they talk about normality. Um, We gotta make some decisions here. And I think we are going to continue to see mass migrations into different states. We're gonna see some things that work, some things that don't. One of the last stories I did before I left for Florida was how Florida, despite that second oldest population, that they have one of the lowest deaths per 100,000 people. They're now vaccinating older people. And you can even see, by the way, things are going so well in Florida that you can see the mainstream media right now trying to turn on DeSantis. You can really see it. Oh, and I wanna say one other thing about DeSantis. Oh, and, and just the general state of people in Florida. People are happy. They're happy. I'm here in LA. These two guys in the room, relatively happy, but everyone here is miserable. These are miserable people, and you just have to figure it out by the look in their eyes because you can't see their face. Um, but people in Florida, they've said, oh, we put a little, a little extra primacy on living freely. We want to have a little bit of a risk. So my last night in Florida, I went to an indoor bar, I sat David and I sat around, it was like a like a C-shaped bar with a whole bunch of strangers. We all started talking. There were people from all over the world and then uh, from all over the country, I should say. And then there were a couple local Floridian people. And again, these were older people and they made the decision to go out and do what they want for themselves. That seems right to me as opposed to having Gavin Newsom or Andrew Cuomo do it. But But on the DeSantis front real quick, you know, DeSantis, who's obviously done it in my humble estimation, uh, a great job with this whole thing. Not only do you see the media turning on him, but now there's all these articles about how he could be the the Florida front runner for 2024. One of the things that I heard in Florida, somebody said this to me: that what happens if DeSantis runs for president in 2024 and then Trump runs for governor of Florida? That would be that would be something. Oh, you like that one? That that would be something right there. But one of the interesting things that I think we're going to have to see on DeSantis is he's obviously a fighter. He knows what he believes in all, all of that good stuff. I think He's also younger. I think he's 46. That's two years older than me. You know We're used to having these ancient politicians. Trump's 74, Biden's 78. Pelosi's 106. Schumer's in his late 70s. You know what I mean? Like we're used to having, uh, well, Diane Feinstein, my senator here. She's, she's older than the crypt keeper. Um, we're, we have to sort of let those people, move on, go into retirement. Like, why do you still wanna control everybody at that age? Um, So I think that that's good that DeSantis would be an actual Gen Xer in some level of power. But what will be interesting is as the media hits keep coming and they'll tell you he's far right and he's a white supremacist and he hates black people and all of the nonsense that we all know is not true, it'll be interesting to see what degree of sort of the Trump kind of fight back he has to use, right? Because you know, a lot of people said, well I like the I like the Trump policies, I didn't like the person. And I I can fully understand that, right? I fully understand that. But at some point when the machine starts coming for you, DeSantis may have to start fighting the machine even harder which would be sort of a, a Trump-style move, and it'll just be interesting to see his evolution there. So I'm just mentioning this now as a little as a little marker, because as we see this guy's popularity rise, for good reasons, you're gonna see more and more hippies, as we're, we're just seeing him in the last little bit. Uh, guys, before we move on, let me talk to you about ExpressVPN. Let there be no doubt, people, big tech and the far left have joined forces to purge America of conservative, and I would say, actually, anyone non-woke at this point, and you guys all, know all about that, that's exactly why I started Locals.com. So why exactly are we choosing to give these big tech companies all of our personal data? Good question. The battle lines have been drawn. Big tech has made it clear which side they're on. Now is the time to take a stance, protect your personal data from big tech with the VPN I trust for my online protection, I use it myself, ExpressVPN. Every device, whether you're on your phone, laptop, or TV has a unique string of numbers called an IP address. When you search for stuff, watch videos, or even click on a link, the big tech companies can use that IP to track all of your activity and tie it back to you. Excuse me, when you use ExpressVPN, by connection gets, or your connection will get rerouted through their secure encrypted servers so that the companies can't see your IP address at all. My internet activity becomes anonymized and my network data is encrypted. And the best part is you don't need to be tech savvy at all to use ExpressVPN. Just download the app on your phone or computer, tap one button, it turns green and you're good to go. So stop handing over your data to big tech companies whose aim is to censor and spy on you. Defend your rights and protect your internet activity with the VPN I use every day. That's expressvpn.com slash That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V as in Victor, pn.com slash to get an extra three months absolutely free. Go to expressvpn.com slash right now to learn more. All right, well, speaking of big tech, this is actually a perfect segue. I wasn't even planning that, but we got a segue, people. Uh, Poland, uh, you may have heard of the country Poland, and I believe there's been a few jokes written about the Polish people over the years. Well, they're doing something right because they've basically had it with big tech, you know, and, and this is gonna be one of the shifts that I think we're really gonna see in 2020, and, I, and it's something I'm really focusing on, and it actually, uh, much of my my forthcoming book that I'm working on right now is gonna be about this, that it, we, we may have passed the time to talk and now we gotta be, what are the actions people can take in their lives to fix these things? What are the, what are the concrete steps that they can do? Whether that is building new products, building new institutions, finding new jobs, whatever that might be in your life. Uh, well, Poland is actually doing something because all we really do here is complain about big tech, not... I've done a little bit more than that, but most of us just complain about these things. Uh, But Poland uh, has had it, and they don't want uh, social media to be censored anymore. And we've got a couple quotes here from Deputy Polish Justice Minister Sebastian Koleta. And I think this guy gets it. He says, we see that when big tech decides to remove content for political purposes, it's mostly content which praises traditional values or praises conservatism and it is deleted under their quote hate hate speech policy when it has no legal right to do so. He goes on, freedom of speech is not something that anonymous moderators working for private companies should decide. Instead, that is for the national body. Duly elected officials in all industries, car, phones, finance were unregulated till they grew too large. The same should happen with big tech. If big tech sees themselves as an organization empowered enough to ban a sitting president of the United States, it sends a message to the world that we can ban anyone whenever we want. All right, Sebastian, deputy minister over in Poland. Uh, Yeah, you're right. And we've gotta start making decisions on this and quick. Look, we can rehash the, all of the arguments. Do you just let the absolute unfettered free market solve some of this? I think there's a, a philosophic argument there that makes sense. Do you need some level of uh, either regulation? A lot of people want that. You know my feelings of this. I don't need some dingbat middle management government regulator going to Google and being like, well, guys, let me see the algorithm. <laughs> like that that I don't think is gonna work. Could you have some antitrust things where you have to break up these giant companies? Again, I don't like using the, the foot of the government to do all those things, but we are in such an extraordinary time where the power that these companies have is so colossally unbelievable that if we don't do anything, then people will say, okay, well, it's not the government coming to your speech. The government will be irrelevant. The government will be absolutely irrelevant. I mean, think about it this way, at this point, who has more to do with your day-to-day life? You guy watching this right now, who has more to do with your day li- day-to-day life? Is it the US government, or is it Twitter and YouTube and Facebook and everything else? You're watching this on YouTube right now. You're commuting, communicating all day on your phone, right? Like, they have a tremendous amount of power, and the sh- maybe the ship sailed. I mean, I think that's possible too. Maybe the, sh- the chance, to do anything about any of this has, has sailed. I would say, you know, look, there's there's some stuff on the horizon. I can tell you after meeting with a lot of tech people and, and, and building a tech company, there's some really cool stuff on the horizon and I don't have to tell you all about Bitcoin and how that's blowing up right now. I think it's at like 52,000 bucks right now, like pretty amazing. But there's all sorts of decentralized storage things in the works and all of these things that eventually will free us more. I mean, decentralization is, is the future for all of this, right, and that's that's much more of a libertarian sort of bottom-up way of looking at the internet rather than these big companies telling us what to do. But anyway, I, I wanted to do this story because I thought it was interesting that at least another country, in this case, Poland, is saying we're going to figure out some ways to deal with these companies, whether that means banning. I mean, you don't want Facebook banned, I suppose, in Poland, but whatever whatever each individual sovereign nation has to do to protect its citizens, because he does make a good point. We know this. Look what just happened in Australia the last couple of days. If you guys were tracking this story, Facebook just banned a whole boatload of really so I would say moderate in most cases, uh, political sites, including uh Quillette. I've had Claire Lehman on from Quillette. Um, you know, they do a lot on free thought and classical liberalism and things like that. They've wrote They've written what I would say are a couple hit pieces on me. We're going to try to get them on locals. Okay, so there's there's a lot happening here. There's a lot happening here, and uh, you know, let countries make some decisions for themselves instead of big tech just ruling us all. Instead of one ring to rule us all. Uh, let's talk about one more back here in the United States because uh, this administration is pretty horrible. I think that's fairly obvious for almost anyone at this point. So you've you know you've got your far left activists that I suppose are kinda happy, but not fully happy because Biden's not full woke. Then you have your sort of marginal Democrat liberals who are like, oh, Biden's too woke for us, and we're getting back into all of these bad deals and like a lot of weird stuff. But I, I thought that this video uh, was, was particularly telling. If you wanna know sort of what the administration thinks of, of business, of free markets, and basically of of you, the people, what do they think of you? Uh, this is Democrat representative. He's a Democrat from California. Roe Kahana on CNN talking about the15 dollars minimum wage. Let's take a look.
1: Well, of course, large businesses like Amazon uh, and McDonald's, for example, can can and perhaps should pay more. but i'm I'm wondering, what is your plan for smaller businesses? How does this in your view affect? mom-and-pop businesses who are just struggling to keep their doors open, keep workers on the payroll right now? Well, they shouldn't be doing it by paying people low wages. We don't want uh, low-wage businesses. I think most successful small businesses can pay a fair wage. If you look at the minimum wage, it increased with worker productivity until 1968, and that relationship was severed. If workers were actually getting paid for the value they were creating, it would be up to $23. So I love small businesses, I'm all for it, but I don't want small businesses that are underpaying employees. It's fair for people to be making what they're producing, and I think $15 is very reasonable in this country.
0: Okay, I I want nothing to do with that person or that line of thinking. What right does this representative, this Democratic representative, have to tell businesses how much they can pay people. I've said this before, but you know, I get probably hundreds of emails a week, people that want to intern for us, that wanna work for us, and many of them, often these people are adults, sometimes retired people who say they wanna work for us for free. Well, first off, I pay all my interns, I pay all my guys, we pay 100% of their health insurance, and I know that by paying them and taking care of them, they will work harder, that'll make a better product, and more of you will watch, it will help our economic engine grow. These are basic, obvious truths when he says we don't want low-wage businesses. Well, I would prefer, I suppose, that every business pay everybody as much as possible, but you think you row Kahana? You think you get to decide what businesses can do? You know, not every job is worth $15 an hour. And by the way, I mean, it's so stupid, it's extraordinary. So first off, just the person that's, you know, the, the cash register guy at McDonald's or the fry flipper, which is always the example that people use, that's probably not worth $15 an hour, right? Like the business has to look at the books and go, okay, we have to make this many fries, this many burgers. We wanna keep costs down so we get more people to come in. And we have to look at that. The, guy, the idea that the government would just come in and say, no, you have to pay these people this much. That's how much this is worth. Well, then congratulations, what's McDonald's gonna do? They're gonna raise the prices on all the stuff. And then what are they also gonna do? Well, you guys know this already, they're gonna put iPads everywhere so that when you go to McDonald's or Burger King or anyone else, you don't even see humans. And then there's just one guy in the back that maybe is doing something and he'll be replaced by a robot soon, too uh, to soon. Soon enough, he will as well. Anyway, I think you you all get the point of this. Like this guy comes in and this is what progressives think they can do with everything. They just want things to be good so that the world should bend to what they want. It has nothing to do with math. It has nothing to do with uh, economics. These are probably racist things. I'm sure he would say that as well. Um, but these people should have just nothing to do with your life. I mean, these people are absolutely ridiculous and we don't want low wage businesses. Think how insane that is. So you, if you have a little startup, you know, you're a kid right now, if you're if you're a young person watching this and you're watching the whole world melt in front of you and you've just got a good idea, whatever that idea is, you're gonna make some t-shirts and mail them out. Whatever it is that you're gonna do and then you could get your friends to be involved and then you could go, oh, you know, I made uh, 400 bucks this month and I'm gonna give each of you 20 bucks. Well, he wouldn't want that. He wouldn't want that because you didn't give him $15 an hour. We don't want those kind of small businesses. So when he's saying, oh, we don't want them paying this unfair wage, what he means is do what we want or we will come get you. I don't like you people. I don't like you very much. And uh, I don't like living in the same state as you. And I'm gonna have to do some serious thinking about that. Okay, you see what I'm saying? Uh, Anyway, guys, uh, my interview with Heather McDonald, she is like the best of the best when it comes to just blowing a lot of this diversity delusion nonsense. That was the title of her last book, Out of the Water. Just such a great, clear thinker. Uh, That full episode is up now. My guest this week, you may have heard of him, this Steven Crowder guy. He has not been on the show for literally about five years, which is just absolutely crazy. I had him on right at the beginning and and has has not been on since. Uh, He's got some lawsuits related to the big tech stuff coming. So we're going to talk to Crowder this week. And of course, if you want direct access to me, if you want to see our videos without ads, and if you want to see all sorts of interesting bonus stuff, join us at RubenReport.Locals.com. Have a great day, everybody. I will be back tomorrow.